I've got a quote for you. I don't know if you've heard this before, but it's a really good one. I really like it. It's by G.K. Chesterton. He said, The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and not tried. You know, I think that's true. I think a lot of people consider the standard that God puts before us in the life of Jesus and say, there's no way I can love up to that. You know, he says, um, love your neighbors, love your friends, love your wife. Okay, I can sort of deal with that, but love your enemies. Okay, now that's a lot harder uh, to consider and to live up to. And actually, uh, G.K. Chesterton also said that uh, maybe one of the reasons that God said, love your neighbors and love your enemies is because often they're the same people. So hopefully your neighbors are not like that. Um, but for me, as I think about this idea that Christianity has been found difficult and people uh, don't try it, uh, I, I recognize that there are difficulties in living the Christian life, that there are challenges. But in the midst of those challenges is also real joy. Uh, there's real value to be found. And I want to spend my life seeking that uh, that peace and that joy that, that God offers, uh, a life of value, of purpose, and meaning. So I understand that it's difficult, and I'm committed to trying to live it out. There's something I read this week that I want to talk about. I saw a, a poll called the General Social Survey Poll, and I think it's by the University of Chicago, something I've been doing apparently since 1972, and it's a happiness survey, or at least that's part of it. And one of the things I saw is that since they began keeping their records in 1972, right now more Americans would say that they're unhappy than that they're very happy. Um, and Really, you'd say that's probably because of the pandemic, coronavirus, mask, and all those kind of things. I think the Gallup poll also recently said something very similar. People are not happy. Uh, it's very interesting that we would even ask those kind of questions uh, to me um, and keep track of that. You know, how happy are you? It's very, very subjective. Everybody's has a different opinion and view. And it's interesting, apparently, different demographics poll quite differently when it comes to things like this. So Republicans tend to be happier than Democrats. Uh, part of that is associated to things like Republicans tend to be more religious than Democrats, more, uh, and religious people tend to be happier. Uh, more Republicans um, are married in general, and people who are married tend to be happier and live longer, too. So... Uh, what what makes us happy is kind of a, an interesting question. Um, are we seeking happiness in our life, or are we seeking fulfillment? Or does fulfillment make us happy? Do things we we do and enjoy, our hobbies, is that where we're finding happiness? You know, where are the places where we really um, feel satisfied? And of course, as a Christian. I think a, a lot of things in life that we pursue provide temporary um, satisfaction or temporary happiness, but they don't really fulfill you. Um, you're never really satisfied. You're just temporarily, mm, what would you say, temporarily numbed to 
to the the world around you. And think about all the things that people use or do on a regular basis to distract themselves from life. Uh, watch television, watch movies, read books, listen to music, uh, play sports, um, all of their hobbies. People seem to fill their lives with lots and lots of things to keep themselves from thinking deeply. Um, a lot of these are activities that you don't need anyone else to do. Now, obviously, sports and things like that require somebody else. But a lot of people's activities can be done by themselves. And in the last couple of years throughout the um, pandemic, obviously, people have sought out more of those. They've looked for act activities they can do without other people. So if a lot of your time is spent distracting yourself from your thoughts, uh, distracting yourself from um, your worries and fears, um, you're not really going to be happy because you, you're not dealing with your problems. At least that's, that's kind of the way I would view it. Um, if you have things in your life that need to be dealt with, you're going to be happier and more satisfied if you actually sit down and deal with them, would be my opinion. Um, that's what I try to do. And I do recognize at times when I have that same kind of, uh, I would like to avoid this situation, at least temporarily. This is annoying me or this is a, a stressful time what I'd like to um, get away from. Or there's just work coming up and I don't want to do it. You know, I'd rather distract myself from that. Or not even distract myself, just I don't want to do it. I'd rather do something else. Uh, and there are times like that for all of us. But ultimately, it it doesn't remove that burden or that um, little bit of stress, anxiety that, hey, this is not finished, it's not complete, there's something that's not right, and I still need to deal with it. Um, so even though I might distract myself with a book or go out for a run, if I don't take care of that issue, um, say it's my, my recently my email inbox uh, is quite full and has several things, but I just, I don't really want to mess with that. It's, it's not fun. I don't enjoy some of those things. It's something I feel like might take time that I just, I don't want to give it. Uh, recently, one of those things is I have several emails to do with taxes. and I, I just hate that kind of paperwork and dealing with uh, bureaucracy and taxes and all that kind of stuff. Just, just drives me crazy. I really don't like that. So it's easy for me to want to distract myself from those um, kind of tasks. But they don't go away if I don't. And, you know, um, I find that when I sit down and said, okay, at 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to sit down, take care of the taxes, and do everything that I can to move that forward. Usually, it doesn't take as long as I thought it would. So it's almost never as bad as we think it will be. And the level of satisfaction when I have completed that difficult task is much higher than any satisfaction I get from avoiding that task. No matter what I chose to do, whether it was run or read or listen to music or play a game, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to be satisfied in the same way that I am once I complete that task that I really needed to do. And I feel good about myself. Hey, I've, I finished this thing I really needed to do. So it makes you wonder why we keep going back and doing the same thing. Because I'll, I'll have that again in a month or two, I'll have an email or two that I don't want to deal deal with, and I'll try to avoid it. I'll sit it aside for a few days and think about it, and I'll go on a run, a run and 
consider what I should do and know that I should sit down and do it, but I won't. Um, and I'll have this little extra anxiety and stress until I sit down and take care of it. And it's just, we repeat that. So it's just interesting, this idea of happiness and what makes us happy. It seems like so many people are worried about the pandemic. They're fearful about the future and all these things that could happen. They're out of our control. Um, but it seems like for me in my life, uh, it's the things that I, I could do something about that I don't seem to cause more stress than uh, the things out of my control. Uh, I'm pretty good about saying, hey, God, that's not in my control. I will deal with whatever comes. You know, if a house burns down, you just deal with it. But the things that I could control and choose not to seem to cause more stress and um, anxiety in my life. I don't know how you are, um, but that's something I want to work on. It would be great to say that I'm always going to attack those things right away and just get it done quick as possible and move on. I think I'd be happier. Uh, I'd be more organized, have lower stress in my life. And then when I sat down to read a book or listen to music or go for a jog, I could actually think about something more productive. So uh, I enjoy those times when I have in my life, but it seems like they're not as common as they should be. So interesting, uh, happiness. Ultimately, we want to have joy, right? Um, joy is unchanging. Happiness goes with the moment. And I, I really want to have the joy that's unchanging, the peace that passes understanding. And uh, on top of that, I'd like to be happy. <laughs> Alright, for the next section, I invited my daughter Chloe to come and join me, and she's a singer-songwriter. For the last year, she's written probably over a hundred songs and really working on developing that ability. So, hi Chloe! Hi, it's nice to meet you guys. And today you brought us a song, so what's the song for today? This is a song that I wrote about in April of last year, so still kind of in the beginning of my songwriting. Uh, it's called, Could Have Been My Sister. Okay, so you actually have a sister, and her name's Melody, and she's not with us today. So is this song about Melody? I did write the song kind of thinking about my sister. It's not really about her, but more of how I view her, and about um, if I met another girl in the street, if she was my sister, how would I act toward her? So it's about relationships with other people, but thinking about how, um, maybe you think about biblically, we're all part of God's family, and everyone, to some degree, if they're a believer, is... A part of that family. So right. do we treat people like family is kind of what you're saying. Yes, yeah. that was awesome. awesome. Well, I look forward to hearing it.
babe, she's light, but everybody hurts the same. Despair twists deeper than a knife. Can I do something to ease her pain? Cause in another life, she could have been my sister. Awesome. I really like that song. Yeah, that's a, a sentiment that all of us should have as we see other people that they, uh, but for the grace of God, we could be in their place if they're suffering, and that we should consider how we can uh, lift them up and encouragement, encourage them. So yeah, I, I really like that song. So thanks for sharing with us today. Thank you guys for listening. I want to look at a little bit of theology today, and this is maybe a basic tenet, be a good place to start. Um, what does it mean that God is holy? And particularly, what does it mean to me if I understand that God is holy and he tells me to be holy as I am holy? Uh, boy, that sounds like a challenge. So what do we mean by that? I think several things that we have to understand first, we understand that God is, is holy and Holiness, the, the basic idea is a separation, to be separated from evil in the case of God. Anything that is evil, that is sinful, is completely separate from God. He is not and cannot relate to sin. It, it is not in him. There is no darkness at all, First John 1 John 1.5 says. Um, so there's no trace of evil or bad or this negative in his character. God is holy, and only God is, is holy. So, when we consider, then, how we should respond, one thing we have to understand that God, because He is holy, is separated from us. We are separated from Him by our sin. He is perfect. Uh, we are sinful. So, holiness, the holiness of God, is part of what separates us from God. How do we respond to that? Well, I think it depends. Uh, it depends on who you are and how you understand God and your relationship to them, both what it is and what it should be. So if I understand that I am separated from God by sin, because God is holy, and I understand that I was created for fellowship with God, it should drive me to want to do something about that. I was created to have a relationship with God. And I don't have that relationship with God. So what do I do? And if you left it there, you would be very depressed because there's nothing you can do. Uh, that's the wonderful thing about the gospel as we think about 
the whole message of the of the Bible that God created us for this purpose and although we have not been able to live up to that standard we have not been able to be the people that God can fellowship with he understood that and provided a way to make us holy and the only way for he could do that was to give us his holiness so the whole message of the Bible is God's process of reconciliation process of bringing us restoring us to the place where he uh, intended for us to be so my sin has to be taken care of my sin has to be removed that's what the blood of Christ on the cross does it says that he washed my sins away uh, my sins are removed and in the place of my sinfulness and uh, the separation that I have from God I am given the righteousness of Jesus the holiness of Jesus so I'm able to fellowship with God because I have the holiness of God it's not in myself and it says be holy as I am holy uh, it, literally it's his holiness it's not ours I can't work myself toward that that should be both encouraging to me um, I can't do it and I don't have to do it it also should be motivating me to be thankful uh, when I think about my relationship with God, I should be able to just rejoice that he loved me enough to draw me to himself, to provide this uh, passage out of the darkness of my life into the light of his life. So he invites me to be part of uh, his union. That's an amazing thing, uh, that God is holy and he makes me holy. So that's a truth in theology. And Practically, as I live that out, what it means is I should consider my actions, my words, my thoughts. I want to live out the holiness that I have in Christ. So I'm going to make different choices if I think about, hey, God is holy and I am holy. Therefore, I want to be separate from some things. I want to live differently. I want to live at a different level, live to a different standard because of who Jesus is, because of what God has done, because God is holy and he tells me, be holy even as I am holy. And I think that should motivate us to at least attempt to make better choices, at least attempt to live differently. So the fact that God is holy is not a distant theological truth that is interesting to think about and how pure and holy that God is but practically as I go through my week the holiness of God is part of what motivates me to consider my my ways to consider my life uh, to consider the choices that I have if I live holy how do I approach this situation what's the best way for a holy loved servant of God to go forward so none of us are going to do that well uh, but it should affect how we relate to each other it should affect how we live uh, at the very least we should consider it. yes we're going to fail yes we're going to do poorly and the wonderful thing is even as we fail God's holiness is there it's perfect uh, that sacrifice that Jesus did on the cross continues to cover and to provide us a way to fellowship with God uh, and ultimately we will be holy as he is holy completely in eternity but in the short run 
the holiness of God is part of what motivates us uh, to strive to live better. That's a lot of what life is about, if you ask me. It's not about us being perfect or uh, trying to be better than other people, but it's uh, doing our best to pursue God, to really have the relationship that we can have, uh, not to compare myself to anybody else. Um, if I'm going to compare myself to anybody, I need to compare myself to Jesus, and we all fell miserably there. But at the same time, when I look at Jesus, I recognize that, man, he did it perfectly, and he gave me the results, the, the uh, rewards of a perfect life. So, man, I am, I am thankful because I have failed pretty miserably consistently, but God offers me the perfection of Christ. Uh, he offers me the holiness of Christ, so I am holy as he is holy. Now, the challenge is, how do I live that? So I, I don't do that consistently. I don't have all the answers, but I am committed to trying. I'm committed to, uh, to doing the best that I can uh, to live a life that is holy, that, that glorifies God, that lifts others up. I want people who know me uh, to go away uh, understanding more about how much God loves them.